Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Cannibal Corpse will unleash chaos horrific worldwide on September 22nd. Since 1988, Cannibal Corpse have been at the forefront of death metal, shaping and defining the genre, creating a seminal, incomparable body of work over the following decades. In 2021, they raised the stakes again with their 15th album, Violence Unimagined. Growing ever more complex and intense, and in 2023, they return with its successor, the equally monstrous Chaos Horrific, starting a new chapter in their legacy. Written shortly after the conclusion of the Violence Unimagined Sessions, echoes of that album exist in Chaos Horrific, but this is a whole new beast of its own. Listen now and watch videos at metalblade.com slash cannibal. Corpse. Also, Harm's Way returned with Common Suffering out September 29th. This is nothing less than a full armored and mechanized instrument of war ready to detonate listeners with their incredibly memorable riffs, breakdowns, and impeccable songwriting with subtle melody and point counterpoint. The title, Common Suffering, is a clear nod to the collective experiences of the past three years of chaos, misanthropy, paranoia, disorder, confusion, and anxiety, with the band exploring themes ranging from personal struggles with mental health, relationships, political upheaval, corruption, and political power. Listen and watch videos now at MetalBlade.com slash Harm's Way. <laughs> It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, hello, all our wonderful friends out there. It is I, your host, Petter Speich, and this is going to be our last episode of the wonderful year in heavy music that was 2023. This is going to be our top five best of uh, albums of the year, so I'll be going solo. Again, this episode is about the bands. You don't want to hear a lot of chat from me. We got interviews. We got songs celebrating the music that made our our life a beautiful journey, a beautiful place in 2023 that we're going to revisit year after year and, uh, and, and love. These are the top 15 that we did. Last week was part one. This is part two. Like I said, our top five. So um, without further ado, let's just jump into it, man. We got five records to celebrate, the ones that we feel are our favorites of the year uh and the number five record that i am excited to talk about and celebrate is the latest from periphery periphery five gent is not a genre um what can i say about the last you know periphery has been so consistent throughout but the last two records i feel uh four and five and i talk about this in my upcoming interview here with misha um were just something that that 
were, were just next level things, you know. Uh, I know three got the Grammy uh, nomination, and there was all this stuff. But what they they went back in the studio and did, they they just refined an original style sound that they created years ago into something more grandiose, more magical. Uh, for the listener, it, it is always, um, for me at least, and I'm sure a lot of you guys out there, it is always a journey, and there's something new that I find out every time I listen to their albums. Periphery 5, Gents is Not a Genre, is all-encompassing when it comes to that. The, the second I got this record and I learned this record, every time I walk past it on my, my shelf or I feel like listening to it, it takes the whole week, and I don't want to listen to anything else. It is an all-encompassing record. A fantastic achievement from from the team over at Periphery. So with that, celebrating our number five record of the year, Periphery 5, Gent is Not a Genre. Here is my interview with Misha Mansour. Everybody, what's going on, Petter? Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Misha from Periphery. We are here to celebrate one of our favorite albums of 2023, Periphery 5, Gents is Not a Genre. Um, well, you know, I got to tell you, uh, Misha, is that uh, I've been doing this now since 2017 for Metal Sucks. And uh, y- both the records you put out in that time with Periphery um, made my best of the year a list. So, uh, Oh, well, thanks, man. That's, that's, that's so awesome, be very happy to hear and, and uh, i had to compare four to five a little bit um this week before i talked to you and uh it's tough but uh i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna lean towards five i'm gonna how, how do you feel <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's an interesting question um you know four was like kind of a, a landmark album for me personally because it was, it was the first one that we put out where i, I felt like really you know, we're always trying to get close to this idea of what we're trying to put out. And, you know, there's so many elements that come into making an album and that go into it. And, you know, it, you'll never get 100% there. And these things sort of take on a life of their own. And you just sort of hope for the best. But Ford sort of came out in a way where I was like, wow, like, I'm so proud of this. I don't know that I'll ever feel this way about an album again. And I was actually really apprehensive going into this new one because I was like, I don't are we trying to match that? Are we trying to beat that? Is that possible? And for a large part of the writing, it felt like that wasn't going to happen. Um, and I think today, you know, a little bit of time has passed. Like I'm extremely proud of, of five. I don't know. I'd have to like sort of listen to them and, and I'd say it's pretty close. Cause I, I felt incredibly proud of, 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 uh, Jens is not a genre. And, uh, it came together in like the eleventh hour, like it, like just hearing Matt's drums, like his live takes on everything and all these bass. There was something about the energy that just came came into it at the last moment, where I was like, "Oh man!" And I had something that never happened before. This didn't even happen on four, where like the second I started getting the first mixes back from Nolly, I was like, "Oh, I don't care about the demos anymore." Normally, I have what we call demoitis, where it's like you get very attached to these demos you've been listening to for years. But this was the first time where it was like I was getting these like, you know, kind of roughish mixes. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the album. This this now I feel something, you know. So that 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 being the first time I ever felt that I, I'd say is pretty special for me. 
I think that getting rid of demo disease is very difficult. And I'm glad that you shared that with us because I feel like that's an impossible task for most artists. We'd be like, no, 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 this is it's, how it needs to be. It is that's very impossible. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been making, I've been making records for, for a long time now. And this is the only time in any project I've ever done that that's ever happened. So much so that I'm like, don't get used to it. It's a fluke. Probably won't happen next time. But it was an incredible feeling to like hear these mixes come back and be like, oh, I don't care about the demos anymore. <laughs> like, I was like, what is this feeling? I love this. You know? <laughs> nice, dude. And, you know, for me, like I said, I revisited them both this week because I did go in thinking, nah, nah, four is, four is better. You know, <laughs> like it just because it's like this and that. But there, what, what really transcended me um to to lean towards five and this is a good problem to have everybody one of our favorite records of the year if you just to promote one more time periphery five but make sure you're comparing it to four because they're they're both uh on our best of list for the year um is there is an immediacy in so much of the musical element in five where there was more of a, a calculated feel of almost like you guys were shooting for perfection in four this is just me as a listener. I could be completely wrong. Maybe you were shooting for perfection in five, but there was some sort of, it felt more improv for a listener. Is there any truth to that or am I way off? Interesting. I mean, no, I, look, that's the beauty of this is you can interpret it however you, you do it. I would say four was the first album where we started to really refine our process. Mm and and really take our time you know it was the first album that we did on three dot which meant that we were you know which is our record label and um that meant that we could just take as much time as we wanted and that was our first foray into that dynamic and it was like oh this is cool this works great for us um and i mean the pandemic really sort of extended things in a way that was not ideal but we had to work around it as best as we could but we took so much time that we, I feel like five is our most refined album because we had the most time to just keep going over, going over, going over. We wrote like an entire other album's worth of songs and cut it. You know, it's like we really pared down to exactly what we wanted and every section being exactly what we wanted to be. So the fact that it comes off as like sounding more improv is kind of a cool thing to me because I don't feel like it was like that for me at all. But it's kind of cool that it has that effect nonetheless because yeah. uh, to me it was very calculated. It was very, everything was extremely deliberate. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm going to stick to my ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate the truth. That's, that's the, that's the one I love knowing the truth, but like whatever, whatever that connection but I is. I will tell you, I'll tell you one little fun fact that mm. may be what you're hearing. Mm. And this is something that, that we did a little different. I've been wanting to do this for a while and I think we're going to continue to do this. So, and I think this also contributed to the, the, the help with the demoitis thing. So this could be useful to any listeners who record. So what we normally do is we'll record our demos and whatever. And then when it comes to time to re-record the album, we re-record. What we did this time, I always feel there's an excitement when you're writing a new song. It's like it's this, this almost palpable but intangible uh, excitement that's, that's, that's there, that, that comes through your riffs, right? And then when you go and re-record it, you're like re-recording like the perfect version of it, which can sometimes be worse because it doesn't have that initial excitement. So whenever we were when, whenever we were writing, I was like, hey, let's get a really good take of this. Even though it's interrupting the workflow, even though it's like kind of taking a little long, let's get that good take. And what happened is like most of the takes you're hearing on the album for like the guitar are demo takes. 
And we only went to re-record maybe about 10 or 15% where I was like, yeah, this is rough. This needs work. Or this isn't quite to the standard that we need. But the grand, grand majority, you're hearing that, like, excitement of the demo coming through, I think. So maybe that's a bit of what you're hearing. Ah, I, I, I accept that answer and my truth now. <laughs> right? so yeah, there we go. That, that's what I need. Yeah, so that's, that, that I guarantee you that's it because the fire's there. There's the immediacy that I was talking about, like from that from that thing. I really like that. We brought up three dot recordings. I always wonder when you have your own record label, how many live shows do you record when you go on the road? Do you just record all of them for future use, or do you are you calculated with that as well? Uh, just curious, because I always feel like if I owned my own record label, I would probably put out too many live recordings. Not Pearl Jam it, but like Iron Maiden it. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> right? Well, it's funny. It's funny because uh, we have a we have a system where everything is recorded every mm-hmm. night, but it's not even for our sake. It's so that our front of house guy can do what's called a virtual sound check. So actually, our sound checks are, are largely unnecessary, except for just getting our stage levels correct. Like we don't actually have to show up to sound check, but then we're just not allowed to complain if our in-ear mix isn't to our liking. So <laughs> that's really all it is. But but that's all recorded. We don't really listen to those, to be honest. It's it's really just for our front of house. But it is it is there. And funny enough, when the pandemic happened, we were like, we can't do anything. But we had a recording of uh, our London show. That's why we put out Periphery Live in London. Like that needed to be cleaned up a little bit because. We didn't know that we were going to be putting that out at the time, and we're having a little bit of fun rather than trying to play properly. It was a very fun show, but like we we eventually you know cleaned that up and, and put that out because it was like, well, this might be our only opportunity to put out an album for a little bit. Um, so in those cases, you know, it's great to be recording. And it's great to have a label to put that out on, but uh, I don't think we're recording ourselves with the, with the plans of putting out a whole bunch of live albums. Uh, I, I don't know that that's necessarily our mo. Gotcha, gotcha. And yeah, bringing up live in London, Loon, there's the goosebump moments. That's part of the crowd. I, every time I listen to that, I'm like, it's it, it's it's crazy because every now and then there's a there's a live version of a track. When I hear the actual version of the track, I'm like, nah, I need those voices. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's funny. It's, it did that. I, I agree. I agree. I agree because you know we we, we closed with that song so mm. many times. And uh, and I and I had to re-listen to Periphery uh, Three recently for reasons I can't disclose just yet. But um, but uh, I was like, oh yeah, it's a cool song, but like it's kind of missing that, <laughs> that that je ne sais quoi that the live version <laughs> brings it. You know? Absolutely, that's that's a beautiful thing to say though. Yeah, so fans, that uh, it's it's just great. But uh, that again, that's that's uh, why I, I I always go. I got to hear live in London. Uh, you know, I love Periphery Four, but the the live version of of loon as well so let me ask you this this might be a little off topic but every now and then someone will ask me a dumb question and and i want to ask the artist so um somebody asked me recently they're like hey do you ever pull pranks on the interviewees and i'm like well no that's not professional and they said no no you got to do it professionally and then i was like wait a second is there such a thing as pulling a prank on somebody professionally misha what's your take on that I don't know. I, 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 what would that be? That's what, what would a professional? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not entirely sure what a professional prank would be. Uh, so, in, in essence, pulling pranks is just forever not professional. Correct. I mean, I know the jackass guys make money doing shit like that, but like, it, they're not professional, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting. I think that's something that uh, a bunch of people would give you a bunch of different answers on. 
Maybe that's a professional prank. I haven't given it much thought, so I don't know. I have no idea how to prank an interviewee. I, I also said that. I'm like, so what's what do you, what's like a prank? Like I call him the wrong band name or something? Like that's not professional. That's asinine. Like I don't even know how to do a prank. <laughs> like, well, because if you do that, then like they might just think, that there was like a horrible misunderstanding like like exactly. i think i think an effective prank is one where the person being pranked also thinks it's funny i think you know there's a lot of pranks now or things that are being called pranks which seem to just be like uh to get views online or whatever but the person being pranked is is largely unhappy with the situation i don't think that that's a good prank so nope. i think i think it has to be the kind of thing where at the end everyone you know? I agree. I, I think I think pranks are, are in essence, and I'm okay with bully humor. I'm not saying anything wrong with, it, but it's a bully. It's a it's a bully tactic to get a reaction. And um, so yeah, I, I you know I told the guy I'm like, there's no such thing as a professional prank. And I'm like, but I'll I'll ask around. I'll ask around if anybody feels like, well, this is probably professional, and this is probably going to get the room going. But no, no, I don't think so. And and I agree with that. So uh, do you, so in essence, I guess that can segue into a periphery question, which is, <laughs> if there's anybody in your guys's team in your group that does pranks, and I don't know if there is, um, who is the worst at it? So we don't we don't really do that so much, to be honest. Like. <laughs> We, we we had a guy, uh, he's still a very good friend of mine, Justin Gosnell, like on our first tour, we used to like just go nuts with it. I mean, he set off fireworks in the van while we were all sleeping, you know, <laughs> like stuff like that, like, which I think I would have been madder about if I wasn't so tired. I was like, ah, whatever, you know, <laughs> I could go back to sleep after it stops, but like, and after I stopped coughing, but, um, <laughs> you know. He used to go kind of nuts with that stuff, and then we stopped taking him on tour because, like, yeah, we're not going to survive. Uh, and and then pretty much since then, we've just kind of chilled out. Like, we don't, we're not, we're not wild or anything. We're a pretty, pretty boring band, I suppose. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you guys on that. I, I think any prank would at first. My first reaction would be anger. It's just the way it's going to be. It's like, why are you fucking with me? Like, that's just how I am. And then the second reaction would be like. Okay, but then it would be in the back of my head to be like, this guy thinks he can bully me. <laughs> I don't know. It was all good. Like I said, like he's still one of my best friends. Yeah, like, yeah. We, were, we were just punks back then. We were young, you know. Oh yeah, now, yeah. Now we don't. Now we don't really. We don't really mess with that stuff too much. We uh, learn in our youth that when you're bored, you do something that crosses lines, which is kind of like <laughs> a prank. And then you're like, yeah, I shouldn't do that. The effect yeah. was everybody would laugh together. That's never happened. I've always upset somebody, and then they were always right. <laughs> I realized yeah. that, too. You were like, well, I can't win this argument. Yeah, I'm the one that, uh, you know, put ketchup in their hats, and they put it on their head. <laughs> right, so... Yeah, no, we, 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 didn't do any, we didn't do anything like that, really, like... Well, no. we're, 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 I'm, I'm unfortunately going to have to give you a very boring answer. That's we a, like to chill out, play video games. That's our that's our thing. We're just a, we're a band full of nerds, unfortunately. Well, I got to tell you, the last question, I know our time's up. I went a little over uh, on, on you, and I appreciate you hanging in there with me. But everybody, before I, I, I let Misha go, make sure you guys are listening to per- Periphery 5. Revisit it. Gent is not a genre. Uh, one of our favorite albums of the year and such a great record. Uh, look, there's cruises are happening. And I know Gent's not a genre, but do you think in the future Gent will be a cruise? That'd be really cool. We did a cruise back in the day, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a progressive nation. Mm. Um, 
It's funny that you bring that up because I was thinking about, I was thinking about, it. I was like, that was actually, actually a bit of fun. Um, but I, I, you know, those things are incredibly uh, expensive. Yeah. The uh, financial risk is quite high. I would much rather be invited to play such a cruise rather than organize a cruise. But uh, you know, never say never. Um, but yeah, there. If someone wants to get that that cruise going and they want to invite us, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> Someone listening is like, yep. (laughs) Yeah, taking notes. (laughs) Taking notes. I love it. So with that, everybody, I want to thank you so much, guys. Make sure you're listening to Periphery 5, one of our favorite albums of your Misha, thank you so much for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
songs you heard is off our number five favorite record of the year periphery five gent is not a genre first song atropos second song wildfire guys if you haven't make sure you're picking up this record like i said it is it is all encompassing it's a fantastic record and that's going to j- take us into our number four album of the year uh and this is a back-to-back one their last one made our best of list as well and that is from a band called green lung uh green lung's latest the heathen land um you know, uh, it's it's a completely different listen from the last record. Uh, yes, you still have the similar styles and stuff like that, but it's heavier to me. It's it's got more atmosphere. It's and and what they do so well, Green Lung, is they really just drag you into there. But visually, it's hard not to listen to their songs and just see the world that they're creating. Um, the artwork also helps, but there's just something very special about um what this band does to me as a listener um the heathen land is our number four favorite record of the year we highly highly recommend it so with that let's let's not too much talk on it let's let you hear what we're talking about here's some tracks from our latest our our number four favorite record of your green lung the heathen land
Metal Sucks Podcast.
It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. First song you heard, Mountain Throne. Second song, One for the Sorrow. That is off our number four favorite album of the year, Green Lungs, The Heathen Land. Ah, oh, it's fantastic. It's just, just a great listen. Make sure you guys are picking it up. And that's going to take us into our number three favorite record of the year. You know, thrash is such a, a genre that I, I mean, I think all of us, right? It's, it's, it's such a genre that when it's done right, and it's done kind of with this original style, original sound, like it is, it is our, it is our happy place, kind of our go-to, you know, for a lot of us from a certain generation. And, uh, I don't think I've been hit with a band or artist, uh, that has done it so, I don't know, immediate and engaging than Hell River in the last few years. Um, I really got touched by the last record, but this one is a step up. This, our number three favorite record of the year is Warlock Grimms and Withered Hags from Hell Ripper, guys. Here is my interview with the mastermind behind Hell Ripper, James McBain. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks. On the phone, I got James from Hell Ripper. We are here to celebrate one of our favorite albums of the year, Warlock Grimms and Withered Hags. Um, man, let's, let's, uh, let's start with the first thing I, I, I always, I like to bring up the content, right? And this one, um, <laughs> there was a poem by Robert Burns that kind of inspired <laughs> some of the content. Tell us about that. And, uh, and on a second part of that, tell me how much poetry you read in modern times. Okay. So yeah, the album title is inspired or is taken from a line in the Robert Burns poem, um, addressed to the devil. Um, which the title track is based on on the poem as well. So the poem is kind of, um, I would say, kind of makes fun of the devil and is kind of, you know, mocks the devil a little. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, like that. Whereas I wanted to kind of flip it on its head, use the poem, use some quotes for the uh, from the poem um, and kind of flip it to make it fit the hell ripper image so it's kind of a devil worship song uh, you know that kind of thing um i just thought it would fit better and it was fun kind of um yeah putting it in a different uh context i guess um yeah the poetry i don't read too much to be honest i, I don't well i don't read much at all other than when i'm kind of you know looking for inspiration for lyrics or researching um some what lyrical topics or whatever um i'm not a, a big reader uh to be honest um it's primarily for song lyrics or song inspiration um yeah it it's taken over for me too like i i read the uh you know the vinyl packets i read the lyrics and um instead <laughs> of like uh you know any kind of poetry i feel like it's it's kind of taking over poetry you know uh, i don't know i, I don't want to say that because there's probably people that read poetry nonstop. but like if i go back mm. and read some john keats or something like that i i always feel there's a similarity to when i i read lyrics you know okay. so it's weird yeah yeah, yeah. so um 
Yeah, I would say it depends on which lyrics you're uh, reading, you know, depending on the band, on the writer, whatever. It means in metal, you've got some great lyricists and you've got some not so great. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to completely agree with you on that. But nine times out of ten when it's not so great, I'm like, let me see where they're from. Is this their first language? pass I'll, I'll give it yeah. to them. let me let me focus yeah. on the on the riffs <laughs> so it's like there's this compromise because of the love of metal where you're like all right you don't want to do that um but uh yeah me and my friends we do a uh album a week i've got like four or five of us in this text group that we all and everybody gets to pick one album that we can listen to mm-hmm. and uh we got one guy in that group that's always like focused on the lyrics, right? So now I'm like, oh, I'm always reading lyrics before I pick my album of the week. <laughs> I'm like, all right, because oh, he's yeah. just gonna attack it, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so but uh, that's uh, that's kind of how it is. So with the with the, with the album, everybody that we're celebrating, if you guys haven't listened to it, let me remind them one more time because we're gonna play another song, Warlock Grims and Weathered Hags. It's out right now, one of our favorites of the year. Um, it, it's got you know it's got the signature Hell Ripper sound, but there's a lot more to this, I think than uh, than than albums in the past. Tell me the risks that you felt you took on this record and why you felt expanding the sound as much as you did on this record. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for noticing. I guess um, yeah. With with any album, with any music I write, it's kind of you know influenced by what I'm listening to at the time and. Yeah, depending on what I'm listening to and what I'm inspired by at the time, like that stuff will kind of make its way into the into the music. And so Hellripper, I've said since the start, it will always be a speed metal, kind of black speed metal um, band. So that's the core of the sound there. Um, and over the years, I think becoming more confident as a songwriter, um, you know, be, just being able through practice, through writing songs, being able to figure out different things that work um, or something like that. You know, um, I think I've tried to expand with each album, you know, bringing in some some of my non-metal or non-speed metal kind of influences. So I was listening to a lot of uh, stuff, you know, just even from like the Beatles or uh, ACDC, um, Manic Street Preachers, Oasis, um, Alice in Chains, stuff like that, you know, um, and stuff on the other side of it, like uh, Agaloch or Typo Negative, you know, things that you wouldn't really maybe associate with the Hellripper sound. And I tried to, yeah, I felt more confident in my ability, like just to try these things, see if it would work. Um, and yeah, and I think for me, I enjoy the album. Um, that's what's most important. I'm very glad other people like the album, but it's very important for me that I like the album and I'm not doing something just, you know, I'm just, I'm not just phoning it in. Like I'm making something that I'm proud of that I would listen to myself. And yeah, I just had a lot of fun trying different things in the production and the songwriting. And it was a really fun time recording it, you know, it was yeah very enjoyable just to kind of experiment. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Bringing up Allison Chains, I, I always ask people this question. Black gives way to blue. The first record with Will Duvall. Mm-hmm. Is it better than any of the Lane Staley records? Because I say it is. Um, Than any of them. I mean, I prefer it to. I prefer it to the more, the more acoustic kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, the softer side. But um, I really like uh, The Devil Put Dinosaurs here. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's. Uh, that's. Yeah, like that that album, that song. I mean, that song especially. Um, I think is 
great. I like all the uh, the new the new Alice in Chains I, albums. I think they're great. They took a while for me to kind of get into, um, but yeah, now I'm yeah. I think they're. I would say they're almost as good as the as the original. Dude, I. Uh, I'm with you. I say it all the time. People argue with me, but I, I, uh, I just saw them live, and when they played "Hollow," they, that's the song they played. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, this song is so good!" Like, and it it made me feel happier than when they played like again, you know, like a hit. You know, I'm like, you know, no, 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 yeah. let's go back to "Hollow," man. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, there is something there, man, about that that magic, and and I think it's one of the best transitions because you know, obviously, Lane Staley is this legendary thing, and it seems so hard to do, yeah. but it it just worked so well, and will do all is is impressive now you are a one-man band i love that who is the person that you but you, you can't just like i mean are you in an echo chamber or you got to have people that you talk to right when it comes yeah. to music stuff um uh tell us about who's your most trusted kind of uh person when you're like hey what do you think about this or this direction or is it all you just kind of like i'm not going to ask anybody and just run it myself yeah so usually i've got a bunch of people usually my partner is always um there and is always forced to listen to my uh, <laughs> my my ideas and stuff but usually i mean i've got the guys in the live band as well you know i ask them what they think and i've got um the guys at peaceville i send it to them just to see what they think but usually usually i ask opinions when i'm kind of not too sure on, on something you know and usually I'm, it's like yeah does this work am i just because because the way that i do things you know it's myself and i'm listening to the song, listening to the same thing for like hours on end, like a million times. Like by the time the album comes out, I've heard the songs, you know, like thousands of times, you know, so it gets to a point where I'm like, uh, is this part good? Is it catchy? Or is it just because I've heard it so much that I can remember it and things like that? So it's good to get an outside perspective. Um, But yeah, I like to... It's just it's what I do for fun. It's like it's my hobby. It's my passion, and so I just kind of have fun doing it by myself for the for the most part. You know, just writing and trying different things. But yeah, other people definitely. It is valuable to get other people's opinions. Um, for yeah, no. For, yeah. That, I mean, that's. It, I always say there's there there's this uh, part of me growing up. There's the difference between confidence and arrogance. Like arrogance is like I know I can do this, and then confidence yeah. is like holy shit, I did it. <laughs> like, and, and when you break through arrogance and you get to confidence, you're like now it's fun, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah like, like, it's it's like a different emotion where the arrogance gives you this fear of like I'm full of shit, and then you're like boom, no, I got it. But that's. That's when I th- I always felt that's when the art gets really creative because it's like you've been there yeah. and you know it and all that stuff. And you brought up the live band and, and obviously when you're playing these songs on record and, and recording everything, it's different. How much um, different is a live presentation because you have other members in the band and how, how often do the songs kind of change up a bit? Yeah, so I kind of look at them as kind of uh, almost separate. So I've got the, the, stu- the recording, the studio side of things where I really like to, you know, experiment and I like to layer sounds, you know, or recent, I mean, as, as the years have gone on, I've started, you know, more experimentation and trying more layered sounds, some production techniques and stuff like that. And some different instruments, you know, like say the bagpipes or whatever. Um, whereas live, I really like to have kind of a rock and roll show. Mm. Um, so it's, I wouldn't say 
I mean, it's almost kind of stripped back. You know, it's just the four of us, rock and roll, kind of really fast. Um, like try, yeah, just just try to do a good rock show, I guess. That's uh, like the, the thing, kind of you know, old school thrash. Yeah. You know, Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth in the eighties, kind of uh, approach. That's what I want to go for. And yeah, the the way that they change is like the guys are kind of free to do whatever they want. You know, I I give them the music and they learn the music and then they can add add whatever they want you know um the the drums of course um they change up a little bit like the the fills and different stuff like that whatever um and yeah joseph our live guitarist current live guitarist he does some of the solos and he he's free to kind of he adds harmonies to parts and changes little bits and stuff and yeah i give everyone kind of free reign to do what they want and we see how it sounds and if it works, if it's in the spirit of the song, if it if it works and sounds good, then yeah, why not? It's fun. Um, yeah, it's yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, that's the that's the thing. The live element is the human. That's what I say. And then the yeah. record is like there's a little bit of distance, right? So it gives you a little more atmosphere. But uh, that that human yeah. element's so important, and that's why we go see live bands. Is we don't want yeah. to see, you know, at least in our genre, we don't want to see the same thing that we're listening to. We want to see the whole thing. So uh, everything is positive. Everything sounds amazing, dude. I, I got to promote it one more time. I know our time we went a little bit over on you, but we're, we're okay, I think. Uh, Warlock Grims and Withered Hags, guys, one of our favorite albums of the year by Hell Ripper, third full length. Make sure you're checking out the whole catalog, but this one you got to celebrate, guys. It's, it's a next level thing. Uh, with that, James, I'm so excited to finally get to talk to you. Thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you. Really appreciate the support. And yeah, all hail the goat.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Mm-mm-mm. Man, even even like listening to the tracks, I'm just like, man, what uh, that is metal, man. Come on. If you guys haven't picked up Hell Rippers, Warlock Grims, and Withered Hags, it is a must for this year, guys. The tracks you heard, the first one is the title track, Warlock Grims and Withered Hags. The second one is the Naka Lavi. Both those songs are off our number three favorite record of the year, and that is Hell Rippers, Warlock Grims, and Withered Hags, which takes us into our number two record. Uh, I talked about this a couple when we did the best of with the fans of, of this being a year of death metal. Um, every year something kind of comes up like a genre that just it, it just keeps giving you new releases and new releases that are just always excellent, right? And death metal was a huge listening uh, post, but a lot of great releases from younger bands, elder statesmen across the way where it was just inventive, and it just seemed like the genre was having that. And you go back to Thrash a couple of years back, I remember when there was kind of this insurgents maybe a decade again with anthrax putting out the best record in a long time worship music and then you had overkill and death angel and you had testament yet all those old school guys bringing it up and then you had warbringer and and havoc and all these younger bands but there's just a vibrant vibrant thing death metal felt like that in 2023 for me so i was like well you know i can compile an entire list of death metal or i can put the one death metal record that uh really just you know, I can't stop listening to um, that encompasses everything that I love about the genre. And, you know, uh, is to me is just kind of an untouchable thing. If I had to introduce someone to death metal, I'd be like, you don't know if you like it? Listen to this. If you don't like this, stay away from the genre. You know, <laughs> And uh, I couldn't find a record that I couldn't, you know, and the record that I thought completely in a, in a, in a year full of great death metal, you know, young and old was the latest from Dying Fetus. Make them beg for death. Um, I don't know what else to say, man. I just feel like this was the perfect record. I think they did it three records in a row where every time they put out a record, it's just it just shows everybody, hey, this genre is vibrant. We've got the master formula. We've got the wrists. We've got the drums. We've got it all. It's right there. The lyrics, the artwork, if you guys haven't picked up the vinyl. Uh, it's, it's everything that I want from a death metal band, and it's all-encompassing. And I do think that um, they need to be on the throne. They're on the throne to me. So, And there's no difference when we talk about our number two favorite record of the year. That is Dying Fetuses, Make Them Beg for Death. Here is a couple tracks to fucking pummel you guys. And then we'll get back with our number one album of the year.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. Since the last time I felt my name 
the year. The, just great year of death metal. But that right there, Dying Fetus, Make Them Beg for Death, our number two record of the year, our favorite death metal record of the year. The songs you heard, first one is Unbridled Fury. Second one, Compulsion for Cruelty. As I said, guys, Dying Fetus, Make Them Beg for Death, our number two record of the year, um, which brings us to our top spot. You know, the album that, uh, quite frankly, floored me from the first listen and really made me feel um, something every time afterwards, you know. And, I mean, there's records that I'm like, hey, I'm in the mood for anything. Let it be Dying Fetus. Let it be Periphery. Let it be Green Lung, Hell Ripper. Let me get this. And then there's records that I just grab and they take my mood and they own me right? Every listen, I feel it. It, it just, there's, there's like a kismet, right? To this album in me. Our number one record of the year is Sermons of Golden Verse. The achievement of this record to me in my life in 2023, it's by far the number one. There's nothing I listen to more. There's nothing that I wanted to just continually listen to. Um, as I'm listening to records every week, every time I, I've pulled this one off the shelf, like 12 times, um, and after the first listen, I kind of knew right then. And now I feel like I know every angle. The drums on this record are just pummeling. The vocals are haunting. It, it, is, it is all that I really want from a band um, to come in this genuine, mystique-driven spotlight, right? Um, and I knew this early on. I, I remember when it came out, I, you know, early in the year, it made our you know, half your list as well. Um, I'm like, what is going to beat this fucking record? And we had all these amazing records come out in the fall. Sorry. This is it. Number one record of the year, Sermon of Golden Verse. Here is my interview with him. Everybody, Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have him from Sermon our favorite record of the year is of Golden Verse. Uh, we've talked about it, and we can't stop listening to it. So, well, um, him, I want to just talk about this album. It's such an important album to our show and our, our, our team here. Um, tell me, um, you know, the, I guess the writing and the, and the concept when it started um, for you guys. Yeah, so I, I suppose it started... I started writing this album as soon as I s- finished the last, the first album and signed to Prosthetic. And um, yeah, it's like, a, a, it's just a bit of a, songwriting is a bit of just like a bad habit, really. It's just, it's annoying. It's always with you and you just have to, although at the moment I've got to say, I haven't got the yearning to do it, but um, yeah, for that it, it took, it took years to get to this point. And it took even longer to record it. Uh, it was a it was a fucking nightmare because um, we had to do it in COVID. And it just meant that it was sat with us for, for nearly a year and a half finished without being released. And it was, yeah. So in a weird way, I feel like it's a little bit out of date, but I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the, I'm glad that it came out. I'm glad that you guys even received it so well. It, it's quite a surprise because it doesn't, it doesn't really come in, enter into my life that much really. Um, so yeah, it's it's <laughs> I've, I've got um, tears brewing, guys. And it's, it's it's really nice for you to um, to have me on and to even like and listen to the records. 
it's it's uh it has been an, an imprint on our life for this year obviously and um and that is i do love to talk about that because deadlines are such an important thing when art is being created there's this um anticipation of getting it out there and all that stuff and when you have to sit on it um do you do a lot of tinkering at that time or is it easy for you to walk away from songs and 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 was that a part of this record yeah it's um I, I write one song at a time, basically, and I tend not to move to the next one until I've finished them. But I'm quite good at finishing things, and I think that's probably because I'm a bit lazy, and I'm quite happy to just, if it's not quite right, that's okay with me. Um, I just, I, basically, I feel like you just need to sort of move on as quick as you can, and not, if you dwell on, like, the details and the perfections and things, you, you will go mad, and you won't release anything. So I think it's kind of more fruitful in a way to get it off your chest. Um, yeah, there's obviously a, there's obviously a bit of screening, and I rely quite heavily on James Stewart, um, who's the drummer, and um, Scott Atkins as well, the producer and mixing engineer and everything um, man. Really, um, I like their other opinions. So it's yeah, there's a healthy balance of refinement and also get it away from me as well let's just get it move on well that's good i mean i think that is that is good so and you said that it was such a long process but you've taken a pause kind of in writing right now Um, i'm hoping this interview is going to reinvigorate you to start writing some stuff right (laughs) you know what as as superficial as that makes me sound Mm -hmm. it actually will yeah because because it's I sort of felt like, not that the album was released to a room, an empty room, but as I say, you know, after about a month, after the sort of press ends, you don't really hear about it again. Um, and so I, I haven't really had the, the yearning to do it. But now now that you've given me this huge compliment, uh, I'm really shallow, and now I want to write more because I want more compliments. That that was my secret. To, that was my secret to doing it. I'm like, I want more music from Sermon, so I need to make sure I, I motivate and let him let let him know that I'm. Hey, we're listening and we're still here and we're waiting. <laughs> you know, like, okay. It was a good strategy. I mean, it'll, uh, hopefully it will pay off in the end. Hopefully I don't like fuck you over and disappoint you because I was craving compliments too much. No. I needed watching. <laughs> now the visual aspect is something I love to talk about as well and the conceptual yeah. aspect um, which is just as important as the presentation in modern times um, and maybe always um, you know when I think of music but um, it's something that draws you in initially without knowing what the sound is going to be uh, tell me about how that all came together and I mean that was probably post you know before this album obviously but tell me how it all came together and kind of of why you present um, your color palette and all those things with the band on the visual it's, side. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's really hard to do, and it was going to look very different, but the thing that I actually got made by someone didn't really work, and I couldn't see that it was going to work on stage, so I had to um, change it. But basically, the, the basic idea, I suppose, is that I'm not a, I'm not a particularly metal looking guy i'm quite average like a really normal boring person and i i suppose i needed it to look more like it sounded than i look if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword because i think people just think it's a bit gimmicky and annoying um if but then some people embrace it as well 
but then yeah you're kind of in competition with other bands so like sleep token or something because you know they released at the same time so they kind of occupy that masked space a little bit more but um conceptually it just had to look a bit it had to sort of look epic and also a bit aggressive as well like the, the mask is pretty battered um and broken um because i just think it, it probably fits with the theme quite well of the record absolutely and then the artwork is also something that's very inviting it is like a door uh, uh process mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about um that because like i got the vinyl here in front of me and uh the color palette like i said it's very very awesome to me i like the whole thing but tell me about the the concept of of kind of uh, that artwork with the title and all that stuff yeah so i suppose um the whole album is about abuses of power basically just just within the world we live in you know it's a bit you know it's quite not cliche but it's a lot of people have observed and write about these things so the visual for me had to it, on the vinyl it's a sequence of images the door is kept closed on the cover as you open it up it explodes and on the back it is empty and fallen and so i just wanted to essentially create something that was really really intricately complicated um that breaks as a sequence and i and i always imagined the door is quite a good it's quite a beautiful uh, like object and i thought it would probably work quite well standing on stage um within the arches sort of thing um backlit and so it all, it all has to sort of tie in and do multiple things but ultimately i just i like the idea of doors going from one thing to another um and then I just, so yeah just creating something really complicated and ornate that gets destroyed yes and that's exactly what it is on the back you see all the parts out there yeah. and and you did bring up the live presentation which is the ultimate one-on-one visual experience um for the audience and all that stuff um how much uh rehearsal wise i know music is always going to be one of the, the on the forefront but how much rehearsal wise is there for the visual aspect that comes into that live presentation uh there hasn't well in terms of a group of people in a room rehearsing that has not happened once yet mainly because um it, it just basically it just costs a shit ton of money and we haven't really had an opportunity that makes it worth it uh, and James is always, you know, he's always playing in Decapitated mm-hmm. or um, Belfagor or however other many bands he's been placing. Um, so it, won't, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm always designing. I designed the album. I wrote it to be played live. Like there's not an excessive amount of guitars going on. There's not an excessive amount of keyboards, etc. All of it can be basically performed. And it's quite a raw sounding album, I think quite blunt force heavy with some quite spacey bits but it's all performable it's all designed for it it's just really hard to get it off the ground especially in this um especially seeing if no one knows how to make money out of music at the moment because everyone just takes too much of a cut at every single level absolutely so i apologize i did not know that there wasn't so there hasn't been a performance of this album um for the fans yet never never oh no man. I, I do want to do it yes i do want to do it um i think we're going to do a london show we were discussing something with um an american band actually that were coming over but i i think their tour manager looked at our socials 
and <laughs> they're not very impressive. Even though the Spotify listens are fairly consistent and decent and matching the band um, that we were considering touring with, the rest of it, they were like, well, we don't know how to promote it because we haven't got enough sort of followers. And it's, I was like, oh, okay, all right, well, the, the, I'm not going to force you, so. That's such yeah, a yeah. bummer. The modern-day metrics, I feel, are such an unfair... Um, it's it, not accurate. Yeah, it's just not an accurate really, thing. Really, you can't... Going by someone's socials does not mean that they have promotion power. It's a bit of an indicator... But it doesn't mean people listen to the music. It doesn't. It doesn't mean people buy tickets. It's a very loose correlation, and it's not. I, I understand that being, you know, it's always a risk, and you're trying to reduce it as much as much as possible. But I don't think social media statistics are particularly indicative, really. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's it's up to them. It's it's fair enough. But. Yeah, I, I'll give I'll give you the fair enough. But yes, the underground is always trying to keep things in the underground, and, and they want to keep it away from that popular culture because we want to, you know, fall in love with it, and, and it's ours. You know, that's that's usually the process, yeah. and then it explodes, and we're like, it's still ours, though. We were here first. Social media yeah. doesn't allow that, right? so you have to blow up before we can even like we can't even hold you up in the underground it's it's a different uh different beast these days with that stuff but uh all that truly in, in my eyes always matters is the uh the genuine the integrity and the vision and the music you know and yeah. it finds the right ears and we still word of mouth pass it around and that's really what we're doing here guys if you guys haven't sermon on golden verse our favorite record of 2023 make sure you guys are picking it up pre-ordering it listening to it just take it in take it in take it in from start to finish it's the best way to do it yes you can take it in on songs you can do that if you want but for me i'm promoting all the way through like you said it just seems like the sequence is just perfect um and was it, it, it go ahead not, yeah it's designed for that it it's is not just it's designed for a whole listening and to an album yeah you're right beautiful and 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 that's what i that's why i got so much out of it um so with that oh i want you know i want mu music but man a live show and, and last question i know I, i'm going over a little bit but no, have, hit, hit me. have you considered maybe a live stream for the world or is that i don't know price wise or anything like that has that been considered kind of to just present I out there do do we i was planning to do maybe not stream okay I was gonna. I was thinking. Well, we need to prove that we can do this, basically. Yeah. And I was thinking. Well, if we do a London show, it might be a good opportunity to film it in a beautiful location and do like a few songs and just put that out to the world and see what people think. Yeah. Um, and then it just shows that you know we we can do it. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem at the moment because people can't imagine it live. And that's it's fair because we haven't done it really. Uh, I I. Uh... I can't imagine it live and I want to see it live. So I'm sure there's a lot of us out there. So yeah, whatever the plan is, I love that there's talk and there's, there's planning on that. But as of right now, everybody do not go through, don't get to 2024 without putting your ears on our favorite record of the year. And that is of golden verse by sermon with that. I want to thank you so much him for calling into the metal sucks podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank Just, yeah, that's the loveliest thing I've heard all day. So yeah, thank you so much for having me.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
songs you heard. Man, you know there's a playlist thing on that you listen to, right? I don't know how many times I've listened to these two songs this year, but first song you guys heard is Royal. Second one is Golden off our favorite album of the year, Sermon of Golden Verse. Make sure you guys are picking it up, listening to it all the way from the start to the finish. Let it happen. I'm telling you, it is infectious. It is an achievement. It is a record that that I think we as a scene will remember 10 years from now and be talking about forever. It's a, it's a golden record, no pun intended. So with that, <laughs> what a year, man. What a year. I hope you guys have enjoyed the episode and all the music and, and, and our passion for fa- being fans um, and all that. 2020 year, 2023 has been, I think, really one of the best years of, of metal there you could have went so many ways and so many angles as listeners out there with the amazing music that we got uh this year and uh i'm really happy to be a part of the scene to be able to have an audience to put music out there listen to music talk to musicians and do everything I, i'm grateful for you guys that listen i'm grateful for everybody at at metalsucks.net for all the years they've let me have this voice on their wonderful platform I'm very proud of everything that uh, we've done as a team, me, Brandon, Jocelyn, Sylvia, Chuck, Godless, everybody that's been accompanied with this uh, podcast, Um, and uh, just super grateful for everything. Um, I'm going to miss you guys the next three weeks. I don't don't think our next episode is happening until, you know, January 9th, probably, something like that. Um, Maybe earlier. I got to check dates. Uh, But, you know, we're going to take the holidays off, hug our families, you know, have great times, wrapping, wrapping gifts. It's going to be a beautiful time for us. But then I'm going to come back and looking forward to all the amazing music of 2024. Forever grateful for all you guys out there, for all your listeners, for all your emails, for uh, everything you guys do, and uh, just being a part of this, this community and world in this small little section. So love you all dearly. Make sure you guys keep sending that positive energy and share the love with our scene, our community. You guys are the best. We'll talk to you next year. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.